I am Consciously Curious, a podcast for those that are searching for a career or cultivating meaning within their own space. We've had anesthesia providers to barbers, dog behaviors to airline pilots, white collar to blue collar, entrepreneurs to passion projects. Life's too short to not produce meaningful work. Join me, Victor Chan, as we deep dive within various industries. I'd love to hear your feedback, so feel free to leave a comment. I hope you find some value within these conversations, but more importantly, I hope it sparks a meaning within your own space. Our next guest is one of the most down-to-earth human beings I know. We met as fresh EMTs on the ambulance back in 2012. We talk about his journey through emergency medicine and how his attention to detail and no BS attitude led him to a foreman role at the Stockyard Materials facility. He also shares the benefits of being part of Local 150, a very strong international union for operating engineers. Please enjoy my conversation with Anthony Barbara. Anthony, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Um, and you have a kind of a handful of, of hats that you wear, so we'll kind of dive dive into it. Yeah. Um, I want to. We'll focus on being an operating engineer for today, but um, you are a critical care paramedic as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess let's let's start there. So people who who don't know who we are, who you are, have a reference point. Um, and so. Growing up, even before EMS, what did you think your trajectory um, of your life path would be? Like, did you have a vision of where you wanted to go? Uh, hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I knew in high school that college wasn't for me. School's never been for me. Okay. I'm a terrible test taker, unless you know it's it's beneficial. So, I think junior year in high school, I had a kind of straight path that I wanted to be okay. in EMS in some sort, kind of in the medical field. So uh, I graduated high school, I got into college, told my mom, said, look, I'm not going to college, I'm going to waste your money. So I took the uh, first responder class at Malcolm X to see if I oh. liked it, because okay. you know, I didn't want to go through all this years and years of schooling and then just be like, eh, it's not for me. But you knew of that career path i didn't if if it wasn't for marty i wouldn't have known what an emt was yeah do you you have family in it my father was a chicago fireman for oh god so many years and then got hurt and then got kicked off and then just my uncle was a fireman as well yeah so they do offer um a high school program it's called cpfta okay which i did not know about i wish i did because it would have been more beneficial but I took the first responder class, fell in love, applied for EMTB at Malcolm. Yeah. Uh, went through that in 2011. Graduated in 11, got my license in 12. Okay. Jumped on an ambulance for- Oh, same. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Because we, yeah, we started in May together at we, ATI. Did, we were in the same- We, we were? Yeah. Oh, it was I, okay. me, you, Stella. Oh, yeah. Okay. Earl, Larson. Wow. There's 25 of us. It's <laughs> kind of a blur by now. Yeah, so I we did that. Um, was on an ambulance for a few years. Went back to school, finished everything up, and then applied to paramedic school at Malcolm. Yeah. And then at that point, I was like, this is what I'm going to do for, for the rest of my life. Okay, okay. So. And uh, at what point did you decide that it was time for a change? 
I think the older I right? got. Because I, I, I uh, left because I wasn't happy with the money. And so I went to, there was an opportunity at Northwestern. And when I was there, I got my, my I was, grew some roots there. I was like, who can I bring on? And who, who do I think would like to come on to Northwestern? And you were one of those people that I thought of. And it, it turns out it, it wasn't for you or people treated you not the way they should have treated you. And, and you were a fresh graduate from a paramedic program. And you're like, I want to be utilizing my skills and I'm not doing that here. And so it wasn't a fit for you. No. So, I mean, first of all, thank you for that opportunity, per usual. But, I mean, to the beginning of the question, yeah. The the older I got, the more I realized that you can't make a living off of 18 bucks an hour. Mm-hmm. I mean, for the amount of schooling that we go but, through. And what were you making? You were you making that, that back then, if we were to be transparent? Because I left making 13 Oh God! When right, like it's like that's why I left. Starting medics made thirteen bucks. That's why I left. So I was kind of a slap in the face when you go through. I mean, when you think about it, it's like we just went through two years of schooling. And I made a dollar more for a dollar. <laughs> I could have stayed in EMT and made a dollar fifty less. Yeah, but then then you're stuck in this limbo of like I want to do more, and you know it's, it's oh, just it's like the fulfillment versus the get paid what you deserve. Yeah, and you know it it, it falls back onto. Um, the private life mm. where they like to go around and around that there's no money and we can't give you this mm. and everything is BLS based and mm. you know we appreciate you and you're there for us but we don't appreciate you which is it's like actions speak louder what yeah. so yeah I, I got sick of making I think when I left it was 19 bucks but okay. I was critical care yeah. event certified right. uh, eight years at the company, I mean, I had every cert and everything that, that you could offer. So I hit my glass ceiling, and they wouldn't give me any more money. And I was like, you know what? I'm done with this. So I did my last shift. I had applied for previous jobs, you know, years and years before, and then finally it fell into place. And then I was just like, all right, I'm out. You know, I found my window. I went to Northwestern with you. Mm-hmm. I just graduated medic school. So I right. was full of knowledge. I knew everything about everything. Right. And so the transition from emergency medicine into a hospital-based setting of patient care and non-patient care, I just couldn't. Right. Well, you don't have any responsibility anymore. I couldn't cope. So I was like, I didn't didn't go through all the schooling to come here and make a bed Mm. or be a drug runner or, you know, clean a a laryngoscope. I was like, this is just. Right, 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 right. It's not for me. It's not. It's pointless. So I kind of fell back and, you know, I, I wasn't happy there. Like you weren't happy in the ambulance. I wasn't happy in a hospital-based setting. I'm a very, I'm a people person. So I want to be interacting. I want to make people laugh. I want to make people feel, you know, like it's okay. Like this is an important time in your life. It's a vulnerable moment for you and your families. And yeah. we're, we're here to make it better. And I can't do that when someone's knocked out on anesthesia on the table. Right. And I'm right. just standing there staring through a little screen of. Right. The Da Vinci arms going going to town. Right, right. Um, and so when you came to that decision, why go back to ATI and why not seek out like a 911 contract, right? So like I was teaching at the time. I was still at Northwestern and I was rehashing old ATI stories. I'm like, I got to get back on an ambulance. And that's where Jose De La Rosa hooked me up with Cicero. Yeah. Great experiences. Um, definitely a pay cut, but... 
it's worth it came, the value was from the experience but like buds on the south side south side so like why not you know if you really wanted to utilize those skills why not on those types of ambulances uh-huh yeah that's another that's a good question i the ambulance no matter where you work it kind of becomes like a family it's it's mm-hmm. family niche so okay granted the people you work with like there was never a day where i was just like oh man I got to go to work. This sucks. Like, I always look forward to going to work because of the people that I worked with. Like, they made it fun. Um, it wasn't really work. It was more of, you know, hanging out with a buddy. Sure. And, you know, kind of messing around throughout the day. But when it needed to be serious, it was serious. We did see somewhat of things Sick that patients. we could use our sure, skills to yeah. a point. I mean, most of it's, you know, pretty straightforward and blatant but there wasn't is there a part of you that wanted to be in a firehouse oh there was always i mean right that's the dream yeah there will always be a part i of love it. that that was probably one of my favorites like in cicero i mean even though it was like a subsidiary or superior you're still getting that private ambulance pay but you're in a fire like the culture's there you know the yeah. firehouse culture's there and the settings there and the the 911 experience is there so i took it for that for me it's I grew up in a different, I guess, in a different household. So I know that in order to achieve what you want to achieve, you got to start at the bottom. So unfortunately, private life is the bottom. So you work your way up. You fine-tune your skills. You find your craft. You pretty much make yourself the best that you can be Mm -hmm. until you get called to the big leagues. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was work on an ambulance until you're completely comfortable with what you can do. I mean, your hands are our tools. Granted, our brain is too, but... If I can't look at somebody and say, hey, man, you know, you're probably going to die in the next 30 seconds. If I can't, if it doesn't click for me, mm. then if I went to a 911 service and it didn't click on a private life where I'm exposed to, you know, so many patients throughout the day, sick, non-sick, then when I get to the big leagues, I, it's second eight, it's muscle memory. But then wouldn't you want to go to the minors first? Private life is the minors. I would consider Cicero to be the minors. Really? Yeah, I would consider private to be the little league, then, you know, graduate to the minors because you, Cicero, and I'm not, I hate, I'm just using Cicero as an example, but like it felt like a mini Chicago. It's a good mix of trauma and medical and, yeah. and you know, all that stuff. So when a lot of the medics that get called from Cicero, Chicago is just like, it's just now the money just is better, yeah. you know? Um, but, and I say that because... I feel like not as many private ambulance paramedics are as proactive about keeping up with their skills as maybe you might be. And so you might be ready by the time you get called to the to the majors, but I don't think most, I don't know, most privates probably no. won't be, you know? And so having that minor league experience would help. Absolutely. Most people that you've worked with or work with or you've seen in the past or work at different companies, you know, we're we're all the same in a sense we all just go to work to collect a check we don't really care because we're not going to see anything and we know that we know walking into the beginning of the day like hey i'm not going to get a gunshot today yeah or i might get a, a cardiac arrest but and there's a good chance i'm not right you know there's a better chance of winning the lottery at that point so i mean it's hard to justify against it but when you go to school and you learn everything and then when you graduate and you're like oh i'm transitioning from bls to als you know what you're walking into. There's no closed doors like, this is what you're getting. Like, I know I'm doing dialysis calls. I'm doing hospital transports. 
I'm not doing multi multi traumas. I'm not doing car accidents. Mm-hmm. So there's always a sense to me that I mean, I know better. I never expect much. So I mean, Cicero was a good idea at the time, but oh yeah, because I wasn't the only one that thought of you at Cicero. Um, no, there like was Buckley thought of thought of you. I'm sure other. I think because there were some other. There was a few people who tried to get me. Yeah, I know Fernando came on as a well, as a fire on the fire side. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, because. When you work for a private, you're not allowed to work for another private. I know. So I, know. I didn't want to leave ATI to yeah. go to Superior. And it was almost a $7 pay cut at that point. Yeah. It's, that's a, when, you, when you're dependent on 17 bucks an hour, you kind of need the extra 7 bucks. It goes yeah. a long way. I mean, Well, not only that, I'm sure even at ATI, you were probably still picking up OT. But, like, yeah, the, a lot of the medics would either um, by choice pick it up or be forced to pick up OT. Yep. So, Absolutely. You know, I, I personally would, uh, you know, I'm finding myself leaving the field because I don't want to have to put in, you know, 65, 70 hours a week just to make ends meet. Okay. Like companies shouldn't have to justify, oh, we pay you this much because you're going to be given five to 10 hours of OT every week. But that's at, such a shitty way. To at $17 an hour, your OT is not even 26 bucks. <laughs> I mean, give me a break, will you? Yeah. yeah. So... Yeah, sixty-five hours a week to not even clear eight hundred bucks is yeah. just okay. What am I doing? Um, and so now that your critical care, um, long-term, long-term goal is to get on a fire department, maybe Chicago. Yeah. Um, and so is it going to be easy for you to like? Would you ever like lose your critical care, or would you want one foot still in the private life? Like, did you like? Do you like critical care or like you don't really care? No. Just, it's just something to get. I was – it's funny because I was forced to take critical oh. care. Oh, that's interesting. By the EMS director oh. at the company. So basically she cornered me and said, hey, I'm signing up for this class and you're going to take it. And I was like, uh, no, I'm not. I don't want to be critical care. I want nothing to do with any of that. I don't even want to be event certified. 50 bucks a call and then you're going to tax me? Come on. I'm working for free at that point. So – they signed me up, and on top of that, the class that I took, they just changed from the University of Iowa to the University of Maryland at Baltimore, which was like is that a is that a really good oh my God, it was like great program the king of the king okay okay it's the cream of the crops uh. and it was a four week program <laughs> at superior's headquarters in Elgin so Elmhurst it's in Elmhurst, yeah, whatever yeah so. It's an hour drive for me. Every day. Every day. Oh, Monday through Friday. They didn't even put you up. No, they didn't put you up. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm lucky I even got the class. So they every day, Monday through Friday, an hour there, an hour home in rush hours, eight to three or eight to four or something. Yeah, yeah. You come out, we're gonna sign you up. You just gotta give us a year of your life as critical care. Or else we won't we won't have to uh you won't have to pay us back. Five grand. Yeah, I was like five thousand dollars. That's what I make in like three months. Are you kidding me? So you're you're forced to take the class because you can't tell them no. They tried to get me the year before, but I just became a medic, and I was like, I don't know anything about ALS life yet to even jump into critical care. Like I'm not doing myself justice. So they were kind of butthurt about that. Mm-hmm. And then after a year, they're like, Okay, yeah, you're you're more than well, you're well off now. So here you go, slip me in. You know, I acclimated to critical care, and then I was like, yeah, this is not worth any of it. Between the level of responsibility and stress that they burden you with, 
I was just so overwhelmed. Like my first call. So you've got to do X amount of calls with the preceptor mm-hmm. to be deemed competent. Yeah. My first call of coming off of my precepting was a lady who was hit by a car. So she was intubated. She was on a ventilator. She was on four different drips. And they weren't like the mom and pop drips of like sodium and amiodarone. They were like top-notch drips. Like um, morphine, levofed, amiodarone. I mean, she was on the... And I was like, what what do I do? I told my partner, I was like, I'm not... I ain't ready for this, dude. Let me drive. He's like, no, you got to learn. You got to learn. I was like, shit. So I was freaking out. And they tell you like the titrations and the docs like, hey, you know, keep your pressure between 90 and 100. And if her heart rate spikes, drop it down and just monitor her peep settings. And I was like, whoa, what? Right. So for 50 bucks. And they don't. They're, they wait, don't wait, 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 wait. I thought I thought 50 bucks was just for the vent. Is no. there a bonus for the critical care? No, it's 50 bucks either way. <laughs> Yeah. What if it just said what was just a vent patient without the drips? You know. Then whoever's running the vent gets the fifty. That's bull. Oh wait, wait. and then if it's critical care, both both medics. If it's critical care, both. If if it's critical care and they're on a ventilator, then we both get it because I get the fifty for the vent and you get the fifty for critical care. Oh, so the driver gets it too? Yeah, you're doing nothing. What the fuck? You're not even going lights and sirens. You're, <laughs> you're stopping at every red light. This patient's gonna flatline <laughs> any second. I'm back there sweating bullets like. Give me a break, man. Get me to the hospital ASAP. Like, I want to get rid of this patient as quickly as possible. So I'm like, man, I'm not cut out for this. So I told the person who does the scheduling, I was like, I'm done. Don't put me on this no more. Like, it is not worth it. I'm not going to lose my license over this company because at the end of the day, if something happened, you ain't backing me up. Yeah. So I slowly made a transition out from critical care. Like, I work it here and there, but I work with the people who've been doing it for a long time. So I'm a little bit more comfortable if shit did hit the fan. Mm. But at the end of the day, I'm like, yeah, I'm not anywhere near where I need to be anymore. Like, I can't even run a ventilator anymore, which is sad because it's dummy proof. It has every setting for you. You just turn a knob. Right, right, right. Oh, geez. Yeah. Um, at, what, at, at the bare minimum, was the equipment up to par? When I... You know, it, like the most fr- frustrating thing is like when the a monitor doesn't work even though like you know it might be for the basic most reasons most basic reasons of needing someone to go als because they need to be on a monitor but like some like electrode is like fizzy it's not like yeah. fuzzy it's not working and stuff like that's frustrating it's it's ridiculous when you think about it like here we are working we're on an ambulance multi-million dollar company and yet our monitors are from 1990 and our ventilators are from the 70s I've never even heard of the ventilators that we were using. And I finally looked them up. The one that we got was from like 1982. What? Is the manufacturer even around to like fix these things anymore? Like, No. What the fuck? How are we? You would service it. It would be a universal service company. And you'd send it out and they would replace the filters. They would replace the knobs or whatever the case yeah. may be. But for the most part, you couldn't get parts for it. And I mean, the doors were broken. The screen was cracked. You couldn't read the title volumes. The peep. Like, it was just one line. Like, if granted, if they had to be on one, okay, they're on one. But you just had to close your eyes and click. Oh, oh my God. You know? So, right when I started to kind of transition out, we got Zoll monitors, mm. the brand new ones, were like mm. 35 grand. And then we got new ventilators, mm. which, another big jump. But 
we got new ambulances. So our equipment kind of came up to par, but... I mean, but training but and training like precepting is, wasn't meeting. No. Yeah. I mean, I asked the, the lady who was in charge of it. I was like, hey, there's this, uh, there's this setting that keeps going off. It won't disengage. She goes, well, what's it read? And I told her what it read. She goes, yeah, I don't know what that is. Look it up on YouTube. Oh. I said, yeah, I got a patient on the vent. And you want oh. me to look up how to troubleshoot it through YouTube? She goes, yeah, I haven't crossed that yet. So when you figure it out, call me so you can explain it to me. I was like, yeah, I'm done. This is ridiculous. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All, right. All right. So interesting. That was my slowly fading out. Um, and so dream job would be on the fire side or, or the medic side? Medic side. Medic side. Yeah. Interesting. I, no desire for burning buildings. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Interesting. No. Um, and so, but we talked about this prior. You're in no kind of no rush to get on. No, I'm in a good position in life now where. If they call and when they call, you know, I'll be ready to take it. Like, if they call me tomorrow, it'd be a hard, mm. like, it'd be a hard thing for me to leave what I'm doing now mm-hmm. to go there. But if they call me in two or three years, I'd be like, okay, yeah, I'm ready. Okay. You know, I've, I've did what I could do and what I'm doing. Let me try something else. Yeah. Um, in the class, in the EMT class, we just kind of finished um, documentation. And we kind of emphasize the importance of um, being very thorough and comprehensive in your patient care reports. Um, have you ever been subpoenaed in? H- has any of your patient care reports been subpoenaed? Not necessarily because of you, but because it's just evidence. Um, I did have one. I wasn't called in on it. Um, they did pull it. I was emailed and questioned about it. But nothing ever became of it. I think they got the guy back who the call concerned. It was a routine routine transport from hospital to hospital, and it was for an NSTEMI. And, you know, we did our basics. We covered our, covered our asses in sense and completely asymptomatic throughout the entire time. I mean, his troponin was high, but, yeah, it's it's normal. So we did a 12-lead you know, vitals, everything's cool. You know, we're having a conversation back and forth. Now it's rush hour. It's 6 o'clock in the morning. So it took us almost 45 minutes to get to where we needed to be. So we walked through the door. I talked to the charge nurse. I'm giving a report. Hey, you know, this is your transfer, blah, 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 blah. And the guy's talking to me. You know, he's joking around. I say, hey, man, you know, give me a few minutes. We're going to get you to bed. Mm-hmm. We'll be on our way. And I shit you not, from the time that I gave the nurse the demographic chart and turned around, his arm was hanging off the stretcher. Now, me being me, the jokes are Diana say, hey, man, you know, pick your arm up because mm-hmm. if you fall, I'm not going to pick you up. Mm-hmm. You're too big. And then he just like decorticate posturing and mm-hmm. started like seizing. And I was like, oh, fuck, dude. It's too early for this. So I like looked at a monitor and it's just straight V-fib. Oh, and I was like, God damn it. So I looked at the doc. I'm like, hey, doc, you know, he's in V-fib. You know, can we get, to, can we get a bed? He's like, what? I said, he's in V-fib. Like I'm screaming top yeah, of my lungs yeah, in the yeah, ER. Yeah. He's in V-fib. Give me a fucking bed. So we get him in the bed. And uh, I think they worked him for like 45 minutes to an hour. And this guy was old, like 52, which was... But like not too old, you know? Like, not too old, no. but he's like outside the parameters of working somebody that long. Yeah. So they got him back after an hour. I'm but like, I mean, I'm sure like it was like, oh, witness arrest, like, you know. By the entire ED staff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Great lodge in the throat. Uh, so yeah. So they worked him for like over an hour. 
and they got him back, and then I got a oh great. I don't know if they if oh for sure, but at the time there, and so you still transported. Yeah, we went from hospital to hospital. As soon as I walked in the ER, he went out. Oh, I thought no, 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 you for, from the uh, picking up. I picked him up at Roseland. Had him in the back of the ambulance for 45 minutes. Oh, so you've already... Okay, so this is at the destination. Walked into Mount Sinai oh. Hospital. As soon as I walked in, he went out. I thought this is... Okay. Well, yeah. Wow, that's insane. Yeah. So my run report got pulled. Uh, they questioned me. But nothing ever became of it. That was the only time that... Yeah. I got kind of in trouble for. They were like... What trouble? You, you did everything right. No, I mean, I did it 12 lead. My documentation was good. I mean, he's an ALS patient, so yeah. vitals were every 15 minutes. Yeah. He's asymptomatic. Yeah. It's just crazy. And how long ago was that call when, by the time you got questioned about it? Probably six months. Oh, I don't know if Tyler told you, but Tyler and I got called about a call like three years. Like, yeah. And uh, I couldn't even read my handwriting. <laughs> he was, we were actually working together. He was like, yeah, I got to go downtown and see a lawyer. I was like, what to do now? He's like, oh, I'm getting subpoenaed from something that happened like 2014. Right? Yeah. It was like. A patient going from little company to rush, and I think the patient ended up dying. Um, not in our care at all. It was like a routine transport, probably for respiratory distress. I think we placed the patient on, uh, or we didn't place the patient on any call. I don't even know what it was, but like they were just trying to, see, like it, within my narrative, to see if my wording was like, were they really SOB or were they not SOB? Yeah. And uh, the doctors at the one of the facilities was. Uh, getting sued by the patient family and they just called everyone that was in the patient's care into question um it's crazy how how like when we say like how important it is like it's important yeah it's very stressed and abbreviations is a big thing because people make things up right there's right. been times and, where and, I've read and it. when you're on like the big city like it goes double and triple with how important it is because oh. like the number of times you'll probably be called in to question is like it's gonna skyrocket and it's funny because you say that. So when you go through Malcolm's program and you do your summer internship, you ride with the city of Chicago, obviously. And so if you get a good preceptor and like you, you two mesh together and they kind of trust you in a sense. I mean, you're there to learn. Right. So documentation is a big thing in EMS. So they actually let you document some runs. Now, granted, I had a really cool preceptor and you know, I knew my stuff and I wasn't, you know – messing around yeah so they let me do it but when i looked at the uh the pcr for the city of chicago it's a dropbox everything is a dropbox there's no thinking they have done the narrative everything what everything is a dropbox and they dummy proof it for you so it's like chest pain and you hit the dropbox and it'll say you're on set you hit it for everything, every chief complaint, they have chest pain, shortness of breath, cardiac arrest. Well, wait, wait, wait. but what about the narrative? You have to type up your narrative. Yeah, but it's three sentences. It shouldn't be. <laughs> Found patient lying on bathroom yeah. floor. Right, right, right. Crew pulled patient. Uh, CPR was started. Two rounds of epi. Yeah. Patient pronounced dead. Yeah. With hospital, log number. Here's your MD. Damn, no history, no like, Nothing. what the fuck? And you read it and you're just like, I still don't know what's going on with this patient. How do they get away with this? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, I mean, I don't know. and it doesn't help that they feel pressure to, to, because they get, they probably get a call before they're done with that for with the present oh, call, you know. So absolutely, that doesn't help either. No. Um. Yeah. 
it's a dog eat dog world out there. Um, and so uh, let's let's transition to your current, you know, day to day. Um, what what led you to becoming an engineer or what, what is it called? Operating engineer. Operating engineer. Uh, my stepdad has a plumbing business. So I was always around it. Yeah. Um, we have machines and, you know, uh, we do underground construction and snow removal and all that. So I was exposed to it at a young age. Uh, my family also has a trucking company, which we sold. And now we have a, like a waste management company. So I'm, I'm, I've always been exposed to kind of the work, construction work life. Sure. Um, so I started running my first machine at 13, 13, 14. Oh, I was taught a family business. Yeah. You know, just get on there, just play around, just have fun. Just don't, <laughs> don't flip it. Don't break anything. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Cool. This is like a, you know, $200,000 piece of equipment, but it, it is what it is. So I was exposed to that. Um, I always knew about the union. And so I just never kind of followed into that footstep. You know, I told my parents like, hey, you know, I really don't want to go to college. Like, I just want to work. Absolutely not. You're going to get a college education. You're going to do something and you love. What was their turnoff about the union work, about this kind of work? I mean, I come from a blue collar family. Because so there's good money in it, right? You can A lot of people, you can make a living off of it. Absolutely. You can make a phenomenal living yeah. off of it. I think it's just that generation of waking up Monday four o'clock in the morning, going to work for 12 hours, coming home, just physically, mentally beat. Then you got to play with the kids, get yelled at by the wife mm. and then do it all over again, Monday through Saturday. Mm. I think they try to transition away from that so that the children don't have to work as hard as them, but can make more money with a college education. That's not always the case. It's not. That's in a fairy tale world. Yeah. I mean, so like it, good intentions, but yeah. yeah, I mean, they, they want the best for us. Absolutely. But they told me no. They said, go to college, mm. get an education, do something you love. If you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Which is true. Yeah. And so what did they say when you're like, you realize you don't, you don't love college, you know? Well, my mom was like, yeah, man, she was a little discouraged. She was like, well, you just have to apply yourself. You know, you're lazy, you're young, you don't really know what you want to do. I was like, no, I do. I want to be a paramedic, like that's my goal. Mm-hmm. And so I went through with everything. I did everything. Right, I right. came out, I graduated one of the best programs in, in the state at the time. And she, you know, you did such a good job, blah, blah, blah. And then I was on the ambulance for two years. And then I was just kind of like bummed out. I was like, I'm, you know, mom, I'm not really making any money. I'm living in your basement still. Yeah. You know, like I want to, I want to do something. I want to be somebody. Like I want to make my own story. Right. And she was all right, well, you know, what do you think you want to do? And I was like, well, I kind of want to work on machines. She goes, like, a mechanic? I was like, no, like, I want to be, like, the guy who's digging in the machines on the side of the highway, or I want to be, I just want to be on a machine. Like, that's, like, what I know, like, I'm good at it. I know what I want to do. And so she's like, no, absolutely not. So I applied to the union without her even knowing. I applied, like, three years ago back, and I got a call two years ago. So it took me a year okay. to get a phone call. Did you have to constantly reapply or just your, your, your app was in? So every year they, they do an open enrollment. Oh, so okay. I applied every year for three years. Interesting. And so that is that the only way to go about it? Like we talked about union versus non-union. Like you can't approach a site 
you, you can, but your chances of getting on are unlikely if you're not young in the union, yeah. right? Okay. Absolutely. Gotcha. So, I mean, you can always get hired by, by a company as a non-union employee, and then you can get put into the union on a permit. So you're on a work permit. Okay. So you have to work X amount of hours on this permit, and you're sh- restricted to working at this company only. Mm. So, I mean, there's there's loopholes. Yeah. Is that kind of like someone's way of, like, foot in the door kind of thing? Exactly. Okay. It's like a, I guess it's like a mom and pop kind of shop. Like, you're the owner. Hey, you know, I hear you're a good worker. Um, we're going to pay you 25 bucks an hour. You're going to run the machine, do all the jobs that a union operator would do, and then we'll see what your worth is, and we'll see if you're worthy enough for me, the the, uh, the owner, to put you in the union. See, the owner has that much say? Oh, yeah. Interesting. I mean, the owner is the puppeteer. Are you talking about the owner of the union or op- owner of the site? The owner of the company. That co- so, right. The yeah, owner that of that company. company. Has that much power over the union? Yeah. Like, hey, you know, I got these two guys. I want to put them in the union. Oh. Oh, really? Okay. Well, just send us a check and your contributions, and we'll get a BA down there. We'll sign them up, and they're in the union. Wow. Done. No wow. At, no questions. The only question they ask is, what contract do you want to put them under? Then is that, that the title? No, the contract is the basis of the hourly pay. Oh. Okay. So do you want to put them at the low contract where you pay them 25, 30 bucks an hour? Or do you want them in a high end? And, and that's the low end, huh? That's interesting if that is. Which is more than what I, you know. No, well, apprentices start at 25 bucks. That's insane. Good yeah. for them. I'm just like that. For, but like first year apprentice, you know, we're, somebody we're, with no experience. We were just talking about leaving a job that was paying thirteen to fifteen, eighteen, nineteen, <laughs> and and then you can go starting like yeah. twenty five. No college. <laughs> yeah. Nothing. That's insane. You just apply, get in. Hey, yeah, you're an apprentice. Twenty five bucks an hour. We'll teach you everything you need to learn over the next four years on the job. Wow. So no, not as much pressure. It's spread out over four years. Four years. That's great. Yeah. Why do you think it took so long for you to actually get called by the union? Well, so I'm part of Local 150, and that's a very powerful union in this state. Yeah. Um, we have eight jurisdictions, I guess, that range from northwest Indiana to northeast Iowa. Okay. Plus Illinois. Okay. So every member of the union has to pay a contribution fee. We pay our monthly dues. Uh-huh. We pay the more you make, the more they take. So, you know, if I make 2500 bucks a week, they're taking X amount of dollars off my check, sure. plus my union dues, plus my contributions. So, I mean, they're doubling up on every member. We have 33,000 members in this union. Okay. So they're very, they always tell us like, hey, you know, you know, we're not, uh, the more members, the better. But they're very strict on who they allow in. They don't want to just let anybody, any Joe Schmo in. Yeah, I used to work at Starbucks, but I want to be a, an operator. Yeah, no, you have no experience. You have nothing to do in this work field. So you don't know a shovel from a, a power drill, you know? Yeah. So they they allow people in based off of previous experience. A lot of people are laborers. Okay. They transition from a union laborer or a non-union laborer into local 150, which is just in a machine. Well, they know how the machines work. They know how to grease it. They know how to troubleshoot it. They know how to operate it. They know kind of the ins and outs, not as fine-tuned as us as the operator, but they have the general concept. Okay. So they're 
easier to train than the guy sure. who's, who's coming in as a first year apprentice. And and do you guys with these dues, do you see the benefits of these dues? Like yeah. or is it hard to grasp sometimes? Like some do people feel like, man, where are my dues going? You know, I don't feel any like support or well because that's because that, that's honestly how I felt Cicero. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a whole different union. That's I know, a, I know. That's a shit union. You know, a union basically, a union means the more members, the stronger the union. Mm-hmm. So, with thirty-three thousand members, each member is paying forty bucks a month. Okay, just for wow. just to work. Now, with this union, we have. Oh God, where do I start? Free healthcare clinic. Everything's free. I mean, vaccine free your. The member, the spouse, everybody. Oh. Um, DOT cards, physicals, um, dental, eyes, um, shots. Like, you name it, we got it for free. We have And so those are the very tangible things. What if, like, the, a job site was trying to screw you over? If the, you know, I don't know, like, just like, just the the power of the union could they prevent that something like that from happening absolutely oh okay okay so we have every member has a, a ba and what is that is that stand it's for a something business agent oh okay so if i'm on a job site and you know the foreman's like yeah you're supposed to be doing this well no i'm not that's not my job mm. and they they press you and they make you feel like what are you gonna do yeah well i'm gonna call my ba my ba is gonna come down and he's gonna tell you to fuck off like that's not his job He's the operator. He stays in the machine. That's the laborer's job. Mm. And then the foreman's like, well, I don't want this guy here. All right, cool. And take me off. Without me there, nothing gets done. And that's how much power they have. So, yeah. But at a job site, do they employ majority union workers then? Most job sites are supposed to be union. Mm. Now, they have some non-union sites with non-union members. It doesn't fly very well with the unions. Yeah. It gives the job site more flexibility, I guess. It gives the job site a lot of flexibility because they can have a non-union operator there who doesn't really who knows how to run a machine but doesn't really know how to run a machine. And they're paying that guy 20 bucks an hour when they should be paying about 50. And now he flips the machine or he takes part of the building down or he hits another employee and puts him in a hospital. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So they call us skilled, skilled operators, right. which when you pay your dues, a portion of our dues goes to a training facility, which is in Wilmington, Illinois. It's like 300 some odd acres of land, and it's got every piece of equipment that they want us to be skilled on. Before you become a full-fledged member, you have to have competencies on three machines. Now, granted, if the machine is part of a different family, then you're granted proficient on it so there's skid steers excavators um front loaders cranes uh augers suck trucks mm. i mean there's so many different things but you go down there and like hey you know i want to learn how to run the straight blade dozer today all right cool no problem sign your name up you're going to be um on the d5 today from eight to ten learn the mechanisms learn how to lower the blade learn how to turn it learn how to grade ease into it don't go too fast your tracks will spin you'll dig a hole all right no problem yeah you got an instructor out there teaches you everything you need to know fundamentals safety all right it's lunchtime come off the machines you eat your lunch uh you know i feel pretty good on that machine let me run the uh let me run the back coda no problem sign your name down 
Here's your machine over there. You take the backhoe out and you run it from, say, one to three. Same same concept. Got a guy out there teaches you the fundamentals. Wow. How to dig it. Three o'clock. Whistle blows. You go home. This is all because you pay your dues. A portion of our dues goes That's very to cool. it. How many people actually utilize that? A lot. A lot of people utilize it more in the winter because a lot of us are laid off. In the summer, it's a ghost town. Laid off, and that's nothing the union can do. Uh, the more, the longer you've been in the union, the more experience you have. Yeah. So the more search you have, the more uh, I guess beneficial you are. So if you have, if you've been in the union for say fifteen years, you're probably a gold card by now, mm. which is like a top card, and you've probably got a lot of certifications, and you're pretty proficient in every machine. So hey, you know I need an operator on this job that needs to run a uh, whatever machine. Oh, yeah, no problem. They call the hall. The hall will call you. Hey, Vic, you know, you got to uh, go to this job site. You're going to run this for however long they need you. Versus me, I've only been in for 10 years. I don't have all those certs as you. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll call you when a, when a job comes up. Damn. It's a waiting game. It's a waiting game. And the list is... Six pages long, anywhere from 140 people to 160, 300. Yeah. I mean, it's... You, you told me, you described the job uh, or the, the type of work to me before. And for those that, that are, are listening, like an operating engineer, um, like in the city of Chicago, like how can how would you just like describe the job or the type of work that this union services? So we service any type of heavy piece of machinery yeah anything to do with off-road equipment is local 150 yeah any crane you see downtown anything astronomical right is local 150 so we're building buildings our bread and butter is highways okay so we make pave dig grade highways we build buildings why That's, the fuck do highways take forever <laughs> there's a lot there's a lot to go into it i mean there's say the dirt it's contaminated. You got to dig up the dirt. EPA's got to come out. They got to test the dirt. Can you contaminate it with what? Anything. Like diesel, oh. grease, oh. oil. Uh, oh. Any type of, I guess. I would have never thought of that. Oh, it's bad stuff. I mean, some. I've been And in so jobs. what? That, that, that compromises the integrity of the, of of the dirt. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. Because uh, okay, okay. now the contractor has to get it tested by the EPA. And then they, they deem it contaminated. And they're like, all right, you know, now it's got to go to this landfill. Well, guess what? We're working in Kankakee. The landfill it's got to go to is, is in Zion. That's a four-hour trip. One way. And that comes out of their pocket? And that comes out of their pocket. And then it's contaminated. So now it's more money per ton to dump. Oh. So there's that aspect. Then you got to get the material to grade. And you got to grade everything out. And you can only work eight hours a day. Anything after that, it's overtime. Interesting. And to give you perspective of how much overtime can cost, uh, is it one and a half, two and a half, or two two times the pay? Like what? what's overtime it's like? One and a half. One and a half. So under the heavy highway contract, you make forty eight seventy five an hour. Base. Base. Starting. shit. Just to walk, just to get in the machine. Forty eight seventy five. So now you tag on one and a half onto that. That's what you're making. You get called out on a Saturday, it's double 74, time. Yeah. 74 bucks. Holy shit. Sunday, Saturday, 74 bucks an hour. Damn. 
And that's just for that's just for us. If you're a crane operator, you make 85 starting. Where? How did it happen? Not, and I'm not arguing that they should be, make any less. But how did it happen that that union was able to fight for higher do, higher wages and EMS workers are here fucking getting table scraps? Like, how the fuck did that happen? I just took a class about this. Oh, so shit. they basically, like I said, the more members in the union, the stronger the union. So without operating engineers your job will not get done yeah. because local 150 will not allow a non-union member in a machine. You're taking work away from us. So we are skilled. We're skilled operators. We're proficient. We know you how can't, to do it. Wait, wait, but you can't stop a job site from putting a non-union. You can? They'll, they'll pick it. How? Wait, wait, how? Wait, wait, what do you mean? So they teach you um, friends don't let friends cross the picket line. So they'll have members of local 150. Other members, they're operating engineers, on a job site, and they'll be out there on strike for sure. granite for using non-union employees. But as an operator, if I cross that picket line, I'm deemed to hell. I'm a, if, I'm you were, if you were non-union, what if you were non-union? Go ahead. They'll, they'll pick it and pick it and pick it, and they'll be there every day, all day, until they shut that job down. But what if all these other non-union workers come in and start working? They won't allow it. Who won't allow it? The union, local one fifty. How do they, what do you mean they won't? It's the it's, how do they have control over the job site? They will pick it. That's it. That's all they they will stand there for hours. So, they will barbecue. They'll have trucks out there. There's just that many people that are in one fifty that will yeah. walk off. Yeah. Yeah. Because so say I think it was in our contract as Cicero saying we can't pick it while on the job. But we don't have that, like, we, we get paid so little that most of us have other jobs and we have to be at our other job when we're not at Cicero. So we can't afford to take the day off to pick it, you know? Oh, they've got, if you read the fine line, they, they weasel their way in there like no other. It is unbelievable the amount of words they use to finesse. But, I mean, I've been on job sites where they're like, you're the operator? It's like, yeah. Your union? Yeah. How old are you? Does it matter? Like, here's my card. I'm I'm in. Done. Like, where's my machine? Okay, it's over there. And then here comes Local 150, and they're out there with their signs. On strike. As soon as you see an on strike, you, you white stop with out, red, you stop. that machine gets shut off, I go home. I walk right off. No, even if you're the foreman, where are you going? See you later. I'm done. Wow. Until they finish their strike. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so within 150, it's not. It's there's more than the type of job. It's not just operating. No, that's engineer. It. Operating engineer. It's just operating engineer. But you, that is like an umbrella term for many different things. Oh yeah. Right. That's what I'm. Okay. So you're the reach is far and wide. We are so widespread. Yeah. It is not just like. So when when our union is just for these paramedics right here, oh, no. it's hard to, to fight back it's for cranes it's for highway it's for vacuum trucks mm. grease trucks semis that transport so machines one person's getting fucked over that everyone's gonna shut it up. down that's cool yeah it's and they fight cool. for us which, which is a good thing it, you know if privates were a union if if a, if a private ambulance company was like hey you know what we treat you like shit we're gonna pay you this much money and every 
employee of the private company was like, you know what? F you guys. We're going home. You shut them. What are they going to do? Right. Exactly. That's how a union forms. If everybody, one person's voice is not going to do anything. Like, hey, yeah, you know, I want more money. They're big. Yeah, okay, dude. We can replace you with the new kid for 13 bucks. But if everybody walks out and demands more money, then they have no choice. That's basically a union. I'm sure you heard about the University of Chicago strike. Yeah. Right? And then, But they ended up paying, what, double for other nurses to come in? Mm-hmm. To prove a point. And then realize, oh, yeah, you know, we're a bunch of idiots, and we're paying two nurses' salaries for one. Instead, we can just cut that and pay them six, seven bucks more, form a union, and everybody's happy. Because there's more, I mean, there's, everyone, like, gets this bad stigma that, like, oh, the union just wants your money. They just take, 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 take. No, not really, because if I make X amount of dollars, a portion of that goes to my pension. It goes to my medical fund. It goes to my training facility. It goes to the healthcare clinic, yeah. which covers almost everything. Like, I don't have to go to a doctor. I get hepatitis shots, um, measles, mumps, like, you name yeah, it. All I your get vaccines. It. Yeah. Every, every vaccine, right. every, everything, stitches, rashes, yeah. for, for free. Yeah. Just because it, they take a little bit on my paycheck. And it's not like they're taking $27. They're taking like two bucks, right. three bucks for a pension, six bucks for a um, 401k. Right. But it's all going somewhere. So you put your time in. After seven years, you can be like, hey, I'm done. And you can collect your pension. Oh, cool. I didn't know. That's it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Seven years vestment. Wow, that's not a lot. No. That'll fly by. And you're at three, four? Three. Three? Okay. Um. Like not too just now, you just said that someone people would, would question you about being in the union, maybe because you look so young. Yeah, the height doesn't help either. No, I wish I could grow a beard. My, That's why I have we, the beard. We both have baby faces, <laughs> um, and so on the ambulance and on a job site, how and if you faced any like crit, like how do you handle criticism from those that are older and maybe have more hands-on experience than you yet here you are managing and leading how have you kind of like internally dealt with that i kind of i just laugh it off you know i'm i play around i don't take anything to heart anymore yeah you do that and you you know you lead yourself down a bad road right um on the ambulance you know you face yourself with larger patients and you know they joke around oh you're so small how you can be able to pull me well you'll see (laughs) You know, and it's always like the biggest patients that I succeed with. I'm like, oh my god, you just picked me up. Yeah, just because I'm five foot two doesn't mean I can't pick you up. I mean, I'm not like yeah. weak and fragile. No. I'm just short. I'm Italian. What but do you expect? It's, it's not a, <laughs> a little meatball. <laughs> I'm a little meatball. I'm a, I'm a mozzarella stick. <laughs> not not only that, but like just just uh, because we look so young, it's like you're. They don't feel like you're qualified to do the job. Oh, Not just like mechanically, but like mentally, I yeah. guess. The maturity as well. Absolutely. But yeah, like you're one of the most mature guys I know. Well, you I mean, know, I we try. Have, well, there's a time and place for everything, but yeah, yeah you know. <laughs> when I need to be serious, I'll be serious. But other than that, I'm a goofball, man. I'll laugh and about anything. But the ambulance, it was like the biggest eye opening experience for me meeting a bunch of people in different situations and scenarios. They're like, oh, you know, you're so young. And I always just joke around like, uh, who's driving? I'm like, I am. 
can you reach the gas pedals? No, you know, I got to scoot the seat up. I got, you know, I got a nice booster seat. It's got cup holders on it. <laughs> and then if you joke around, make them laugh, they're like, oh, okay, you know, at least he's got a good sense of humor. But nine times out of ten, I'll tell somebody, no, I just got my driver's license. Right, so right. I just started yesterday. Today's day one. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> sorry for the potholes. <laughs> but, I mean, they they take everything funny. You know, nothing's taken with salt or grain. Right, right. On the job sites, I walk up. I used to have a big truck. Oh, so oh, wait, wait, so you got rid of it? Yeah, I got rid of the I truck. Because I was like, I, I was about to say, like, wait, that's not a truck. Like, it's a Jeep. It's a Jeep, I'm it's like, a Jeep yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I had a big, st- I mean, I'm. This guy had a 250. I'm five foot three. I drive an <laughs> eight and a half foot truck. I mean, it's, it was ridiculous. Like, a, it was the stupidest thing I've ever done. So I'd come up on job sites in this big truck and they see me jump out and they're like, compensating much? And I'm like, no, just look where we are. We're on a dirt road. Mm. There's holes everywhere. Why would I drive a nice car down here? So I bought a truck. I got all my tools in the back because mm. I know you don't have shit. So guess who's got to fix it? This dumb dumb. Mm. So I got rid of it. I live downtown. I can't park it anywhere. I don't fit in parking garages. Yeah. But I'll jump out and they'll be like, Who are you? The yeah. death's there. Like, oh, broom's over there, kid. Nah, listen here, <laughs> bud. I'm in that nice, fancy, warm machine. So they always used to give me shit. And, you know, like the running joke is, uh, must be nice to be an operator. You know, everything's warm inside. You got the Cadillacs to the Cadillacs. It's like, yeah, you should have picked a different trade. Sorry you're in the cold with a broom. Interesting. Yeah. Now, but were they in the union? Are they in the union too? Yeah, they'll be union laborers or they'll be union. Laborers, okay. Union pipe fitters, union carpenters, union iron workers. So s- s- different union or the same union? Different union. Different union, right? Yeah. Okay, okay. Interesting. Yeah. You know, you come up to a job site and everybody wants to be 150. Interesting. I mean, we're the cream of the crop. Yeah, just to give people a sense of like, you know, if you're outside of the union, you don't know what 150 means. Like, no. So when you say cream of the crop, that makes sense. We're the top dog. We get paid the most and we do the less, which is pretty crazy when you think about it because all you do is this is my position all day, right? I have two joysticks. Yeah. I have a radio. I have heat, Bluetooth, air conditioning, an air ride seat. Some of these machines you get into, I take my boots off. I wouldn't have expected that. Oh, it's... That seems comfortable. It is insanely comfortable. And I mean, you got your lunch in there. Guys smoke. I don't smoke, but the window comes up. You know, they're out there. They're smoking. They're joking around, looking around. I mean, everybody wants that. Because where else can you make $50 an hour to do nothing? It's true. And that changes the dynamic a little. So I, you know... We talked about Northwestern earlier and how I start making more, but you lose the responsibility of having a patient, so you lose that fulfillment that you had as a paramedic. Yeah. Um, it's a little different when you're making 50 an hour, but at Northwestern, after some time there, um, I was yearning for that sense of fulfillment again. Mm-hmm. And so on a job site, do you find yourself or other guys that you work with missing that component? like? Like, it's obvious that they can make a living and the paycheck is great and they can put food on the table and the house or roof over the head. But is there, you know, some, is anything missing from that? Do they feel like they dread going to work or, you know, are they yearning for more? Because you also told me that there were some guys that said that, oh, you were a paramedic? That's such mm-hmm. a cool job. You yeah. know, like, is there anything like that? Oh, every day. Okay. Every day. There's... I meet tons of guys where they're just like, hey, man, like, what are you doing? And it's like, well, you know, I'm getting older. I need to make money. You know, I need to buy a house. Yeah. Um, 
like, yeah, but you were a paramedic. Like, that's such a cool thing to do. Like, you get to see all this crazy stuff and meet all these people. I'm like, yeah, you know, there's, it's noble work. You know, I love what I do. I'm passionate about it, but I only made 18 bucks an hour. And they're like, they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, I only made $18 an hour yeah. to take care of somebody for point A to pain, point B. If you died in front of me, 18 bucks. If you poop your pants, 18 bucks. And they're, okay. And then I come here. I'm like, yeah, you know, I do this, this, and this. And I miss the ambience, absolutely. Every day I'm like, man, am I really happy doing what I'm doing? Or should I go back to the ambience? But, I mean, there's just reality set, sits in. Yeah. You know, you can't can't do it anymore. Interesting. So, but and it, it worked out for you because, you know, you grew up around this kind of stuff. You played with it, like, when you yeah. were 13 years old. And I'm sure a lot of guys solely got into this because they knew it was a paycheck yeah and nine out of ten people that's all they say i looked up like there's a youtube video on local 150 mm-hmm. everyone in that video is like talking about the money yeah and it, it just left a bad taste in my mouth i'm like that's oh it's i don't even i mean where do you even start it's for most of us we make anywhere between 48 bucks and 51 dollars an hour yeah and Nine out of ten guys are like, yeah, I'm... That's I, all they talk about. I don't like coming to work. I don't want to run a machine. I'm just here for the paycheck. I'm here to support my family. And it's funny because a lot of the guys might make two, $3,000 a week, but they live a lifestyle they can't afford. So they have a $700,000 home. They drive a $100,000 pickup truck. Mm. All their kids go to Catholic high schools. Mm. They play hockey. They paintball on the weekends. They've got the newest phones, the newest shoes, you know? Mm. it's, And then you make the money during busy seasons, and then come November, December, you're laid off for four months. You can make anywhere from, say, eight to $15,000 a month, but when you're cut off for five, six months, how do you pay your mortgage? How do you pay your car note? How do you pay tuition? So, I mean, I, I sometimes I get a bad taste in my mouth because I'm, I'm around a lot of guys that think that way. And I'm like, well, I'm here because I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Like, I enjoy coming to work. I enjoy messing around with you guys. Like, it's, it's, it's grab ass all day. Mm-hmm. It's the same as the ambulance. But the other 10%, I'm like, man, you know, I'm just, I'm wasting my talent. Like, I'm literally... I'm a sponge, man. Anything I put my mind to, like, yeah. I absorb it. So it's like to go through all these years of schooling for EMS, to have eight years of experience on an ambulance, to meet a bunch of cool people that have the same mindset as me. It's it's hard to sit in a machine and make this amount of money when I know that deep down I don't want to do it. It was hard to not – I was restless at the firehouse when there was like dead periods because I'd only pick up shifts on the weekends. Yeah, It was hard to sit there and just like – you know, napping is great, but like you just like sit and just nap on the on the lazy boy or on the chair and yeah. watch movies all day. How and, many movies can you watch in one day? Oh, you'd be surprised. <laughs> um, but there was one guy who was taking he's he's in law school and would study while at the firehouse. Smartest move you can make. What? Yeah. <laughs> what, I mean, why not get paid and go to school? Cheat the system. But no one thinks that way. Oh, you know, let me just sit here and eat three meals a day. We could play cards, smoke cigars, play some basketball. Mm-hmm. That's our workout for the day. Mm-hmm. Then we'll take a nap. Mm-hmm. We'll watch a movie together. And, but like, you know, so I, I don't know if I, I didn't tell you yet, but like I made a new line of like hoodies and stuff. And like 
the theme of that is, is it's going to say, where's, where's your top? And so everyone has their level of work-life balance. Yeah. And so if your ideal work-life balance is, you know, eating the three meals and working out, taking a nap, and you're happy about it, yeah. do you, man. But, like, if you're yearning for more, don't just sit there and complain, you know. Yeah. So if oh. there's people at the job site complaining, man, there are, uh, there are, there's other 16 hours of your day when you're not working to go do something about it. Absolutely. People are content, man. They're stuck especially in the construction world, they're stuck in this mindset where it's, hey, you know, I'm happy with what I do. Yeah. I'm happy waking up at 3 o'clock in the morning, driving two hours to go to work. Then I work for 12 hours, and then I got to drive home another two hours. By the time I get home, it's 7 o'clock. I'm exhausted. You don't want to talk to your wife. You don't want to interact with your kids. You don't even eat dinner. And then you're, you're doing it again. So I'm never satisfied in life. That's just, that's my personality. I'm mm-hmm. never satisfied. I'm always chasing the next big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what separates me from a lot of the other guys I work with. I mean, granted, the three guys I work with, one's 52, the other one's like 45, another one's like 30-something. So they've been doing it for a long time. But it's funny because they're just like, yeah, I'm just here for a paycheck. It's the same thing. I'm like, man. But are they complaining? One, one will complain because oh. he's that's all he does he just likes to complain you know, if they don't complain if they're a hard worker then you know i can't you know i have nothing to complain about then you know no but hard worker versus working is two different now that's two different terms because yeah when it's like i said it, it comes down to the money well you know all i gotta do is run this machine i'm getting paid regardless yeah but you can go the extra mile man yeah i guess is there a way to encourage someone else you know you can't force someone to do it but put them in a situation to where they like an inspiring situation to motivate them to want to work harder or like to seek fulfillment. Like, cause I don't, you're not born with a passion so you can like cultivate it in yeah. the space that you're in. Um, and so I wonder if there's a way at the job site to create meaning within the work you do. Like how can you instill a bigger vision into your team to where whatever you let them know that whatever you're doing will have a great impact, will have a ripple effect, Yeah, you know? So with the guys that I work with, where I work, um, there's four of us. And so it's it's funny because they're older and I'm the youngest and I'm technically the boss. It's they, some, one one or two of them have a problem with that when I actually have to mm. discipline or tell them what to do. Yeah. The other one's just like, oh yeah, cool, I love it, man. You know, you should be the boss. Why, why do I have to be the boss? You're the new guy. Well, I say, listen, guys, everything that we do here, it puts a paycheck on our on our table. It allows us to do things that normally we wouldn't be able to do. We can go on trips. We can go out to nice places. We can buy our wives the, uh, the nice purse she wants or the new heels. But I said, if we don't work as a team, then we're all going to get the shit under the stick. Because at the end of the day, we're replaceable. So if you guys don't want to put forth the effort... I'll tell the real boss, like, hey, man, this guy's this guy's a lazy piece of shit. Like, call the hall, get a new guy down here because someone always wants to work. Mm. So I think they they finally started to understand, like, my thought process. And it, basically it's every day I tell them, you know, let's just – we're here to work. Let's do the work, go home, no accidents, look at the positive things in life. And they're finally starting to, you know, turn the wheel a little bit. Mm. So it's hard. It's hard to teach 
older guys that when their mindset's already planted. Yeah. You know, their glass is full already versus me. I'm half full. I'm still learning. Right. I'm still right, looking right, for right. greatness. They've been doing it 10, 20, 30 years. One guy's been doing it for 42 years. And so they, did they, do they ask themselves, like, how am I not in a leadership or management yeah. role? And, I mean, do they, go, do they want to be? Because not everyone wants to be either. No. Two of them don't want to be the ones like, I could do your job. It's like, oh, you could do my job. Go ahead. You can have it. I'll let you do everything today. Here's my phone. Every phone call, go ahead and answer it. It's like, no, I don't want that responsibility. I said, yeah, that's what I thought. Oh. So you want to you want to do it, but you don't want to do it. You just want the title. I don't want to be a boss. Who the fuck wants to be a boss? I just want to go to work, do my job, be happy with what I'm doing, and go home, enjoy right, my life. Right, right. I don't want the sixty-seven phone calls a day. Why is this machine not running? Well, we ran out of gas. Oh, well, you know this truck just flipped in the yard. All right, dude. What, what, what do you want me to do? So it's like, well, the hours don't match up. Oh God. Okay. Well, let me. Let me figure it out. Let me call right back. Let me look at the spreadsheet. Yeah. Let me do this. Let me do that. I mean, it's all day from 5 a.m. to 5 p.m. Phone calls. People coming in. Oh, you know, they told me to talk to Anthony. Who's Anthony? I'm Anthony. You're Anthony. What? <laughs> yeah, dude, what's the problem? you never seen a short kid before? Like, come on. I mean, it's just every day it's a new obstacle. It's a new struggle. And they, they want to take on the role, but they really don't. Yeah. So it's, it's a complicated thing to do but they're adjusting to it okay cool that's good to hear no they, they seem like nice guys i met some of them yeah um, uh, can you talk about the like providing like the actual what you do right so like people come in and they they are seeking materials yeah um can you share that a little bit about that yeah so we are a material yard so yeah. uh like the guys who are out on the highways or who are working downtown at the buildings, um, they have to meet a certain inspection. So if they're digging up the street and there's a gas line down, state inspection comes out and they say, hey, you need this material, this one, this one, this one. So they come to our yard, the truck or whoever is working, and we'll load them with the material. Then they go, they dump it, they come back to get the next one. But it's an all-day process. And it's not just that one truck. It's two, three, four hundred trucks a day working and Chicago what land. What kinds of materials? So we've got um, sand, stone, um, dirt, mulch. Uh, we've got like six different types of stone that okay. is state certified, inspected, or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Um, we've got concrete that we break into small pieces and gets fed through a concrete crusher that makes more stone. Uh, what else is there? There's, we, we make sand. We got sand yeah. in one of our other yards. Um, in our other yard, we have garbage. It's just straight concrete and debris or um, construction debris. Oh. So it's bricks, asphalt, wood chips, uh, building demolitions, timber, tires, who, mattresses. Who, and who uses that? Who would pick up? What do you mean? Like People drop it off. Oh, they, why would they drop it off to you, though? They have nowhere else to go. What? Yeah. Where else are you going to put a scrap? There's no scrapyard? I mean, scrapyard only takes scrap, so like metals or um, brass oh. or anything of that sort. But if you've got 17 truck tires, where are you going to put it? In the alley? That's got to go somewhere. I didn't know it goes to you. Yeah. Wait, then who picks it up from you? We, we'll shred it, oh. and then we'll ship it out to somewhere else that takes it, and then they'll burn it down, make oil, make gas, you know, whatever the process is. I don't know that process, but everything gets broken down and divided it'll go through a conveyor line 
and then we've got people up there and they pick they sort it out so if uh, a trunk comes in and just dumps a bunch of shit it'll go on the conveyor belt and there's 20 guys up there and they'll pick out um all the wood it'll go down one belt all the brick will go down another belt asphalt um roofing shingles mattresses everything gets split into different yeah. sections and then it gets binded up and gets put into a transfer truck and then that truck brings it to destination a the wood and the asphalt goes to destination b so everything kind of gets distributed but it'll come to us we separate it because that's how you make the money okay and uh on a busy day how many how many trucks are coming through and and uh you know, you have to manage kind of the logistics yeah. of that. And we talked about how, like, you know, 20 trucks tried to come in at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know how many trucks are coming in, right? So you have a radio and you're listening to yeah. dispatch. Um, and it's not like these truckers are individually, independently choosing when and where to go. They're told. They're being told yeah. where and when to go. So it works both ways. So the trucks will come in. And then there's also trucks dumping. So a truck will come in empty, pick up material, but then there might be three trucks behind it that have concrete on it or have dirt Mm. or whatever else. So on a slow day, there's probably 100, 150 trucks in and out. On a busy day, there's anywhere between three and 400 trucks. Whoa, whoa. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Constantly in and out, dumping, picking up. And I mean, so there's... Two machines in there. There's another machine on top of a hill that processes it. There's another machine in the back that breaks the concrete down. Then we have our crushers. So that machine is on top feeding the crushers. So it's a it's nonstop um, back and forth. So let's call it three three twenty five three hundred and fifty trucks in sure. a busy day. And so as the the manager of the yard, I'm in a loader, and basically if they bring something in that doesn't really it's not supposed to belong there i'll look at it and say yeah no it's fine just put it in the back and we'll sort through it any questions you come to me anybody off the street comes to me any salesman any uh broken parts um anything that we need fluids gas materials um maintenance it all comes to me phone calls dispatch bosses the ceo um, I'm in charge of the hours. I'm in charge of maintenance of machines. I'm in charge of calling for gas. If the fluids are low, I'm in charge of calling for that. It's a lot of responsibility, man. It's a lot of responsibility. I mean, at for 27 years old. To, well, well, and your background to come up from, you know, it's a you're coming from a medic, which is like a little different, you yeah. know. Um, not that you couldn't handle it. I mean, you were very. You're very detail oriented and diligent on the ambulance, so it makes sense why you're in this role now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for the average Joe, like that's a lot to handle. Yeah, and a lot of people they don't understand that concept. Like the guys I work with, they just see it as another day in a, in a machine. Yeah, but it's, yeah. There's there's really behind not. the scenes. It's right. It's you've become a master when you can make hard things look easy. Yeah. Um, especially because a lot of the hard things are behind the scenes anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with loading, um, these trucks eventually have to be on a scale and they should be below weight or below the maximum load, which you said, what, 72,000 pounds. Yeah. Um, and so when you're loading, they're not on a scale, you're eyeballing. Yeah. (laughs) So it's, it's basically, it's the luck of the draw on the machine that you are in for the day. Okay. So we've all got 
our own machines. Okay. Now, granted, if you take care of it, if you smoke in it, you want to fart in the, on the seats, that's your business. I have my machine. You don't touch it. I have a scale on my machine. Oh. Now, granted, my machine is currently getting fixed on, so I am in a piece of crap spare machine. No scale, no heat, <laughs> oh <my laughs> no God. radio, windshields broke. So it's all just eyeballing at that point. I mean, when you do it every day, when you do 300 trucks a day, right, you know, right, you've, right. you got the concept down. Sure. So it's, um, the tractor might weigh, I don't know, call it 26,000 pounds. The, tra- the trailer might weigh another 10. So now you're at 32, right? Give or take a few pounds. Uh, it's usually two buckets in the front. A bucket in the middle, and then you sprinkle a little bit over the top. It gives you a nice, a nice mound. <laughs> now, we've had guys that come in at 102,000 pounds. When they're dumping off? Yeah. Yeah. 102,000 pounds. Okay. Extremely Way dangerous. Above. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and da- for those that are like dangerous as far as like stopping, stopping. power. Yeah. Yeah. Because exactly. if I stopped, if a kid ran out in front of me and that truck's behind me, that truck's taking out everything in its path for at least a football field. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Okay, wow. Because the heavier you are, the longer it's, it's not, like, you're not going to stop automatically. No. So, 72,000 pounds is our ideal weight. Do we get it every time? No. Now, when they come in overweight, do they get in trouble? Not unless Cook County pulls them over. So, you're not going to dig them? No, I don't care. And the more you bring in, the more I make. Uh, okay okay now how often are like officials there then never never we're pretty self-sufficient i mean i won't call unless i desperately need something like if the the bucket on the machine falls off i need a welder i can't i gotta call for that uh other than like a tire blows out I'll call for that. And but then if that official was out there and they saw that something was overweight, then they'd have to say something? Like, is there, like, a mandatory, like, you have to say something? Like, if we saw child abuse on the ambulance, we have to say something. Right? No. We if, if a truck comes in at 100,000 pounds, yeah. I won't say anything. Just, but, but they just put lives in danger, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And Cook County Sheriff has a truck enforcement oh. task force. And so, I mean, you can tell how much a truck weighs off their tires. Oh, if your tires That's are, why they occasionally I see, like, trucks pulled over. Yeah. Oh. They'll ding you, man. They've got scales everywhere. They'll be like, hey, follow me. You know, we're going to put you on a scale. And it's $1,000 for every 1,000 pounds you're over. That's a lot of pounds, or that's a lot of dollars. Yeah. Uh, for that one person that went to 100000 from 72. $30,000. $30, yeah, that's, that's just your fine. Now, if the if the cop's a real dick, he'll hit you for everything, tractor, trailer, and your and your load. Now you're at $102,000. Oh, if oh, you're not just the extra, no, they'll hit you for everything because they can, because you know better. They and they, that's how Cook County makes their money too. And so who who pays for that? The driver or the company? It's supposed to be the company, but the drivers know the legal weight. So if it's like a six thousand dollar fine, usually the driver pays for that. The company won't pay because you know better. Yeah, they should, right? Yeah, you're a professional driver. That's your job. Ooh, here's a good question. Um, with the onset of uh, automated tr- truck drivers or trucks, yeah, right? How's that? Are, I mean, I don't know. Is there any word on the street about losing jobs or things like that? And that's not going to happen within the next decade. But like, you know, Elon Musk is like coming up with self-driving trucks, and no. so can you imagine like driverless trucks and and 
even even the trucks have scales or something. Or, or, you know, it's like they can like it's all automatic at that yeah. point. It'll never happen. Oh shit! No, it'll never happen. Not not in our lifetime. Yeah. I mean, you need human error at some point. I mean, you need the human to get out and inspect the truck. I mean, you got a humanless truck. It's an automated truck. How do you know if your air if your air brakes are are bad? How do you know if your your airbags are depleted? You know, the truck the truck will I'm go. Sure there's sensors. To a point, yeah, absolutely. But yeah. I mean, you still need the the naked eye to inspect it. Yeah. I mean, you can do as many mechanical things as you want. You still need that. I wonder if they're going to have put that on you guys, the people at the job sites, the people at the receiving end, the people at the destination, to be those those human eyes, um, to check those out. You know. Well, I mean, we do help out to to uh, to a point because a lot of guys they'll come in there in a rush and they'll dump their their load and then they'll fly halfway across the yard and then they'll get in line to get loaded and then we're going to load them and then half the load comes off the, the ass end because they didn't lock their tailgate oh my god and it happens at least 20 30 times a day and so i'm sure you've gotten to the point where like that's the first where thing you feel I like you have at. to baby them you're like hey did you lock the back hey yeah. did you yeah i locked it back are you kidding me <laughs> well no you didn't because half your load's on the ground now now i gotta scoop it up and put it back oh. so it's it's a constant i mean you get new drivers like hey man you know uh my brakes are locked up. Can you pull me to the front of the yard? My mechanic's coming. I mean, yeah. With what? With the machine. What? You know, put a chain to the truck on the machine when you pull them halfway through the yard. Oh wow! Brakes are locked up. You're digging holes everywhere. It's it's a it's a daycare center for grown men. It's it's so it's so stupid. I mean, I had one guy last week. He told me, uh, "Can you check my uh, transmission fluid? I don't know where it is." How are you supposed to know where it is? Well, I have a good concept of trucks. It's on the firewall, which is by the the tire. So it's the engine bay. But like, like you're not expected to know. No, absolutely <laughs> not. But I mean, I do know. So it's been a, a lot of guys come to me because I do know. Okay. They're like, hey, yeah, you know, this is, don't tell anybody, but you know, I fucked up. <laughs> it's like, yeah, dude. So, I mean, this, I mean, this guy's been driving for years. I don't, you don't know where your transmission stick is? So we get it, yeah. He dry, bone dry, bone dry. Oh, like to the point where like you blow your transmission up. Oh, yeah. Oh, so it's it's a baby, baby daycare. <laughs> Very expensive daycare center. What's uh, what's kind of next for you? Is there is there room to move up within the space you're in right now, or are you just kind of doing the day to day until you get called, or what's what's kind of on the horizon? Uh, there's always room to to grow. So. At the company that I'm at, I'm in a good I'm in a good position where I don't want to go any further. I don't want to be part of management. I want to be in the because machine. you still want to be on the ground. Yeah, I want to be out there with the guys. You know, I want to be laughing, having fun. You know, having coffee in the morning. You know, tell them talking about what we're going to do throughout the day. Yeah, you know, I want that kind of interaction. That's a good leader. You get to behind the scenes at the you know the headquarters. And you lose kind of you lose everything. Everybody's sneaky. You know, they're talking shit about each other uh. about all the workers out in the field. You know, this guy's lazy. He don't want to do this. This guy sucks. Yeah. No, man. A good, that's a good boss. For, for some everywhere. Reason. That's everywhere, yeah. I mean, a good boss doesn't do that. You know, you, you defend. You stick up for everybody. So where I am now, no, I don't want to grow. Um, through the union, yes. I'd like to be a crane operator. Mm. Absolutely. So that's like eight classes. You've got to have X amount of working hours. you got to take an introduction, a hoisting class. You know, there's a long syllabus of things you got to do. So that's further down the line that's cool that it feels yeah. longer than critical care oh <laughs> yeah oh, jesus isn't that funny <laughs> oh my 
goodness. But that's like an eight-year process. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's just like an extra sort on top of yeah. all that, right? So well, once you become a crane operator, you're like, you're done. Oh. I mean, because you, you can do everything at that point. You can run machines. You can and when a truck. You, this would be cool, like a cool side thing to have when you get on the, the fire department. Oh, yeah. This is cool. Because as long as you're a card member and you pay your due, you'll always have a pension. I mean, you'll always, as long as you constantly pay it. Even if you're not working? Yeah. Okay. Because, yeah, there's that, like, 90-day thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But, I mean, if the fire department called me tomorrow, it'd be a hard thing to do. Yeah. I don't know if I would jump ship. But but then would you wait another four years? To put my name back on and then right. potentially another three years for a call? Yeah. That's yeah, a hard seven, one. Seven years. Because, like, are you also thinking about, like, when you w- you'd want to f- retire and all that, like, off the fire department? And No, as long as I'm, as long as I'm able to work, I'll work. Probably 60, 65. I mean, because you got to think about the fire department at that point, too. Like, you're never going to be, I mean, you could be, absolutely. You could just be the ambulance driver for your entire career. But, I mean, you're waking up. You're getting, your body's getting beat. You know, yeah. Your knees are getting blown out. So, you know, you generally... You work your way up the the totem pole. Mm-hmm. So you start as a FPM, and then you you know you make officer, and then you graduate to an AC. So I think end goal fire department would be uh, field chief, mm-hmm. which is everybody's goal. But mm-hmm. if I was a field chief at fifty seven, I'd go on three calls a day. I mm-hmm. have my own car. Is that the one downtown? Where's that? Where's that? Fifty seven. No, fifty seven years old. Oh, I if I was a field chief at fifty seven years old, I could work till I'm seventy. But then everyone's like, "Why would you work forty years?" Because you love it. Exactly. Yeah. Because I love it. Yeah. What am I going to do at home in retirement? You got a family. You got kids. But you also have a lot of hobbies. I have a lot of, I have very expensive hobbies. I, I interviewed someone, <laughs> I interviewed someone who retired early at like 53 and uh, we were like, what are you going to do now? Um, she doesn't like to travel and she doesn't like food. And it's like, she's like, yeah, I kind of, you know, I don't miss going into work, but I honestly don't know what to do like every day. It's like it's like what? That is what's the point to life? Then? My yeah. stomach just turned. <laughs> what a sin! That's a moral so, sin. So you, yeah, you have a lot of hobbies. Yeah, we gotta go shooting still. Yeah, I love, <laughs> I love anything that's gonna get me in trouble. Anything oh. fast. Oh yeah. So, cars, boats. Yeah, I remember when um, we we went to go watch a Fast and Furious movie. Oh, and the next, uh, what, what, like Fast and Furious twenty is coming out. So like, yeah, <laughs> thirteen years later. <laughs> goodness yeah i mean good laughs good laughs good times i mean yeah i mean my dad's 48 he wants to retire right that's now. it oh yeah. my god okay 48 he's wow. like yeah I'm, I'm done i think i'm gonna hang it up you're 48 years old and you're done wait he's a businessman though like you can yeah my dad owns a plumbing business so he's been doing it since he was 21 uh but my mom's older and they want to travel and oh. you know my younger brother's 21 so we're all moved out. We've got kind of our careers set. Um, you know, we work. And I'm like, dude, if you retire now, you'll be dead by 57. Because if you don't die on your own, she's going to kill you. <laughs> be- I said no one can stay at home and wake up every single day right, to right. your wife yelling at you. Why don't you take the garbage out? You know, you, you kicked all the covers off me last night. I'm, like, I'm, I'm going to find a fucking part-time job. <laughs> I'm going to be a Walmart greeter. Yeah. I go stuff bags at the Jewel. I don't know, something. I'll... But you know what? If you want to do it, you do it. He doesn't have hobbies, though. He doesn't like cars. He likes food. He's a big boy. Yeah. But, I mean, he'll golf here and there, but he sucks. The, the 
club goes further than the ball. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's just find something in life that. We um. And what would you say about the company that you keep? The company that I keep, huh? I keep people around me who better me. So anybody who motivates me or pushes me to be a better person is who I keep around. So I've got – I'm very friendly. I'm very personable. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I don't think everybody wants to be my friend, but I do draw people – I don't know. It's just something about, like, my charisma. Like, I just draw people in. Like, I want to have a conversation. But – there's also a lot of negative people that I meet too. And there's a lot of negative people that I've known for more than half my life. Mm. Like, so I live with three other guys. There's four of us total. Two are paramedics, or all four of us are paramedics. Two work for the fire department. One works at Cook County Joe. So it's like every day is a, is a battle of what we can do to make each other better. Huh. And that's just the, the three that I live with. So, and then there's the other 12 or 13 guys that, you know, I was in diapers with that, you know, mm. we played t-ball together with. We went to high school together. I went to paramedic school with Tyler. We grew up together. We were at the same daycare center. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of my friends growing up on the South Side, they have this South Side closed-minded mentality where it's just work, 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 work. There's no drive. I need to make money. I need to do this. I need to do that. You know, every day it's what am I going to do? You know, there's no, there's no passion. You know, there's, there's a few guys who kind of better themselves, but a lot of them are in the union. A lot of them are laborers. One's a garbage man. One's a, uh, dude, have him come on. A garbage man. Is he cool? He's a cook. He's a, uh, Chicago garbage man. Is he cool? He hates it. Oh fuck. No, it's like, I smell like shit all day long. <laughs> my girlfriend doesn't let me sleep upstairs. I got to take my clothes off in my car. I'm like, Oh my God! Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I've always kind of wanted one. He's I mean, a funny guy. I mean, like, I'm curious about it. He was actually on a dog walk, which is like a part of Barstool's. He was he was really? on a, yeah he was on there for like 30 minute podcast or whatever like that. Okay, you'll have to throw me some material. Yeah, but I mean, and even them like there's maybe three or four out of the 13 that are still like Kate like yeah like, they're like fuck you you know they're like you got that because of your your daddy or you know this and that like there's like they still they they bash me it's like it's not my fault that you know. I moved out. It's not my fault that my car is paid off. It's not my fault that, you know, I make good money because I put the time in. I'm not out every Friday night like you, getting drunk, pissing my pants. I'm not at the same bar. Saturday night, Friday, Saturday, it's the same two bars. Every weekend, since we were 16. Oh, wow. 16 yeah, years old. Yeah, yeah. We're 27. So for your time, 11 years, you go to the same bar on Friday, and then Saturday you go to the same bar. Same conversations. Same people. How many times you piss your bed? My cousin, 28, has been in four different unions. He pisses his bed once a weekend. Wow. That's that, disgusting. That drunk. that drunk. Oh. No motivation in life. And then has the audacity to tell me that you're spoiled, you're entitled, you're lucky. Well, no, not really because I don't go out. No. I work. They see these things, right? I work two but full-time like, jobs. Like you earned it. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of distant myself from them. And focus more on building myself. So the four, the three guys I live with, you know, they're my real, they're my rock, in a sense. Um, there's like three or four out of the kids I grew up with who, you know, they motivate me. They, mm-hmm. um, I guess they, they encourage me. You know, they support it. They're like, yeah, dude, you know, do whatever you want to do. I mean, no girlfriend. Mm. Uh, 
all I do is work. But I mean, it's not a bad thing. It's just I'm trying to set myself up for my future. Yeah. yeah Versus yeah. getting drunk every weekend. Why waste my money on beer when I could put that money towards a house or, or real estate? Right, right, right. You right. know, it's kind of yeah. like my mentality is much different than theirs. I guess I'm more mature in a sense. That's funny. And how do you how do you go about finding more like that? More people of the same mindset. It's hard. It's you know, it's it's not hard. It's just it's a complicated thing because you kind of I'm at the stage in life where I don't deal with bullshit anymore. Like if you want to joke around and like j- jerk off, like you do it on your own time. Like you're not going to waste my time. So it like you you meet guys that kind of have the same drive as you. Like, they want to buy the thing income properties. They want to live, you know, they want to do X, Y, Z. You know, they want to work to an extent, but they also want to enjoy their life with their, their friends and loved ones. So the three that I live with, we're all in the same boat. We work. We make money. We put our money into uh, income or real estate to better ourselves. Right. Versus the other group is just they work to get the paycheck to go out, mm. to get drunk, to do it again. So I mean, it's I don't know, I don't know. It's like it's like you and I. Like, how are we still friends after all this time? Right? Yeah. Because we yeah. well, you check in with with fr- friends from time to time, and you kind of see where they're at and what they're still doing, and uh, and if. If something inspires me or motivates me, you know, I'm going to reach out even, even like with my best friends, like I, I don't talk to them for sometimes weeks on end and we just pick up where you leave off. Yeah. Um, cause I, I understand that they're busy, I'm busy and we're all working on our own thing. And, mm-hmm. um, but, um, if you, I, lately, like if I'm thinking of someone, like it's not hard to shoot them a text, I'll shoot them a text. Um, I, I was pretty bad about that in the, in the past, but um, you just, I think I've been saying this recently, like good work begets good work. So if you are doing good work yourself, I think people will start to, you'll attract other people that, that are doing that. Absolutely. Um, even people you don't even know. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just a vibe you throw off. You just glow. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, and most people are negative people. You know, right. there's very few people that are like, Hey man, you know, you're doing a great job. We should go out sometime. We should get a drink. We right. should, we should, um, what's, what's the new lingo? Link up. Yeah. You know, it's know, like, yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't know. No problem. Um, and so just to close everything up, um, what advice would you give to someone trying to seek out a, uh, an operating role? Don't be discouraged. By what? The amount of time it takes to get a call. Oh. Don't, don't let it, uh, don't let it affect you. Whatever you're doing in life, even if it's a shitty thing, um, just you know, look at the look at the positives. Look at the the long term. Be optimistic. Um, I applied three years ago. It took me a year to even get a phone call, and then once I got my phone call, it took me like another six months to get through everything. Mm. And then once, I mean, that's a year and a half. That was a year and a half on the ambulance. Mm. A year and a half of making shit money. Mm-hmm. So, just be optimistic. I mean, if you if this is something you want to do, not because of the money, granted the money is great, it's going to allow you to do things in life, but apply, mm-hmm. give it a whirl. Mm-hmm. Just when you get the phone call three years later, don't be like, oh, you know, I 
Is there is there a way to sample the job um, before committing? Uh, you know, because yes, like I mean, no. it's hard because you have to be in the union to get these jobs, and then like. Well, there's I mean, there's non-union companies as well that'll right. you know let anybody come in as long as you have like the general concept of it. Right. But a lot of it's on the job training. Okay. So as long as you have, I wouldn't say like the background. If you have the motivation, and you can do anything you want to do in the world. Right. So. Apply, you know, get in, um, learn. Don't, don't be narrow-minded. Don't be closed off. Don't, you know, if, if the older guys like, hey, you know, you, that's not right. Don't be like, yeah, okay, dude, whatever. I'm gonna do it my way. No, listen, because they've been there. Issues, they've done it. And I'm sure even even as a manager nowadays, you're still of that mindset. I still watch the open-minded. Them. Yeah, they do things that I don't do because I think it's unorthodox, and they do things that I do because they're like, oh, I've never seen that that take on it before. Yeah. So I mean, you constantly learn from each other. Uh, in, yeah. in any work, just because you're in a manager yeah. managerial role doesn't mean you know everything. I'm not better than you because no. I because I'm a manager. I'm in this position because I you're have detail oriented. Well, yeah, and, I'm I'm OCD. Yeah. That's all it is to it. I mean, I watch you guys. This every guy day. would make the the best looking stretchers I've ever seen. Oh, God. It was bad <laughs> from the towels to the blankets to the buckles. Like everything was neatly wiped tucked down. and wiped. <laughs> we could eat shrimp off of. Oh stretcher. man, you could. <laughs> You could you could do whatever you want on that stretcher, and it was flawless. And people would ruin it and lay on it. One wrinkle would set me off. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time someone just throws the sheet on there, it's like, no, we're not doing that. Oh, the absolute <laughs> like the disrespect you have for me right now. I can't believe you. <laughs> Come in, just rip the sheet straight off. Like seriously, dude. Whatever, you can fix it again. <laughs> that took me five minutes. <laughs> You do the racing stripe down the middle, you yeah, know. Yeah, oh yeah, my yeah. goodness. <laughs> funny. And then the nurses make fun of you or patients like, Oh yeah, that looks good. Let me get on that. How how, how much for a ride? Which what kind of insurance you got? <laughs> oh yeah, man. man. That's all I had, buddy. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Um all right guys. Uh thanks for tuning in. I'll catch you guys in the next episode. Where can uh where can they find you? If you want people to find you, you don't have to. I mean, what, like social media? What do you, anything you I want. I mean, I got Instagram. Yeah, Instagram. We'll, we'll drop the links in the in the yeah. section below. Um, stay curious. Abel, uh, I'll see you in the next episode.